When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. The biggest breaking news stories, an outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Yes, once again, I'm in the prison cell, the, uh, the very, very bare spare room in my home uh, with uh, COVID isolation. Or well, Very excitingly, tomorrow, if I get a negative lateral flow test and then another one on Friday, I'll be allowed out on Saturday. How exciting is that? Uh, but uh, I'm uh, at home along with 1.2 million others in isolation this morning uh, and uh, hundreds of thousands more waiting on their test results. And this, of course, is a crucial issue uh, for the government and indeed many public sector uh, companies, uh, companies sectors and private companies uh, as they deal with staff shortages. It looks like the Omicron wave, which the prime minister said yesterday we are riding out. Uh, without further restrictions, yay to that, uh, is actually the biggest problem is going to be staff at home, not necessarily with COVID or even sick with COVID, but um, simply having to self-isolate with COVID. So we are looking at uh, testing rules being relaxed to ease pressure on all of that. Plenty more uh, to talk about as well. And joining me for all the chat this morning uh, is uh, the editor of Spiked, Tom Slater. Good morning to you and a very happy new year. Morning, Julia. Happy new year. Great to talk to you. Um, uh, let's uh, let's start with uh, what we heard from the Prime Minister yesterday. As I was just saying to James Max, every single time we get a, 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 you know, a press conference at 5pm, my, my heart sinks. I, I just sort of, oh God, this is never good news. We're never going to have a press conference. They go, yay, everything's over, everything's back to normal and a million pounds for everybody. I just don't think we're ever going to get that press conference. Um, but um, actually it was... Uh, pretty good news really he was talking about riding out the uh, Omicron wave and the latest data sticking uh, with plan b now i don't agree with plan b i don't agree with any mask mandates or uh, or vaccine passports which i think are just deeply deeply uh, or immoral and utterly pointless um but um it's better than it could be it's better than the rest of the uk and indeed much of europe um, he also talked about 100,000 key workers getting access to natural flow tests from Monday every single day to try and keep the economy going. He warned about um, the NHS uh, being temp- feeling temporarily overwhelmed in the coming weeks. Um, but 
it, it seemed to me that we've got a very different approach now, which is a, a much more sort of let's wait and see rather than being dragged kicking and screaming by uh, sage modellers uh, into utterly pointless and draconian restrictions. So we should be welcoming that, shouldn't we? Cautiously welcoming it, definitely. I mean, it feels as if the mood music has changed. It feels as yeah. if um, Boris Johnson's gamble, as such as it was, I mean, I don't know how much of a gamble we could call it when we already pretty much knew what Omicron was looking like before Christmas and before yeah. these decisions were made. But still, in comparison to Scotland and Wales, the decision to keep us open, not to introduce new restrictions, has been borne out. I mean, hospitals are under pressure, as they are every winter, frankly. This is an added extra layer of pressure, if you like. But as we've heard so many times, most of this is coming from staff shortages because people are testing positive, often not being very ill, rather than there being this kind of wave of COVID patients overwhelming the ICU. So it is, there's a lot of good news out there, actually, if you dare to see it, if you see what yeah. I mean. I think well, well, and also if, if the media dare to report it, because there's always a lot of, you know, despite and, you know, record numbers of infections. Again, this, we, we, we breach the 200,000, uh, or if people say cases a day, they're not cases. They're infections. People actually reporting. Now, again, we are testing. If you look at the graphs and World in Data provide a whole wonderful raft of, uh, of uh, official, you know, indisputable data. I mean, the only problem you often get is, is making any international comparisons because you know, I don't think China is open about their data as we are. But you can see quite clearly, yes, we've got a huge number of uh, reported infections and positive cases. But um, we've also got a huge, um, huge amount of testing going on. Everywhere I know, the whole of December and beginning uh, of this month, testing away. Of course, you're going to find more cases, especially given that 40% of cases are asymptomatic. Now, um, you're, if you're going to be, you know, if, if five years ago we went around testing every child before they went back to school for flu or a cold, I think we'd probably have a load of kids off school as well, wouldn't we? No, completely. We're getting to the point where the disruption from the um, pandemic is from purely from the response at this point, or at least you know, in large part, shall we say. And as you say, there's just so many of these details that a lot of other media outlets, talk radio excluded, don't pick up on. You know, you're seeing NHS leaders explicitly say that the problem is staff shortages, not COVID. You're seeing them say that they've had a significant rise in just what they call incidental COVID. So yes, people are in hospital and they're marked as a COVID case, but only because they broke their leg and they happened to test positive yeah. when they showed up. You're seeing, you know, all these and new... And that's a third of something like, I think the latest figures, again, I'm, it's not it's not me guessing. Um, I, it, was, it went up to 33%. Uh, in the, the last, I mean, I think it's a week or so ago because there's always a lag on those those figures. But something like 33% of people in hospital who count as COVID cases aren't there because of COVID. Exactly. And of course, that comes with its problems. They have to do all these kind of control measures, try and stop it spreading. But I mean, it's spreading like wildfire anyway. So I don't know how much you can possibly yeah. do about that. It's largely but... spreading in hospitals, by the way. Exactly. And this is one of the things you couldn't really say throughout the pandemic either, as so much energy was put into stopping people sitting on park benches and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, the picture is so much different now. Um, you're seeing the government slowly being able to respond to this. But because, you know, the terms of this discussion have been set by the mainstream media so firmly and anything other than doom mongering is not really acceptable. It's going to take a little bit longer before we're going to have the kind of press conference that, you know, you were imagining at the beginning of this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that million pounds each. Um, I tell you what, I, I, one thing I've been saying uh, since, well, I mean, for about 18 months anyway, is you know, this doesn't end until we say it does. 
Uh, and a lot of people say, well, that's ridiculous. You know, the COVID virus isn't this institute. No, no, we're going to carry on with COVID for the rest of our lives, uh, for the rest, forever. It's going to still be there. Whether it's a cold or whether it, it kills, you know, tens of thousands of people every winter, we're still going to have COVID no matter what. But the crucial thing is what's really affected most people is actually the restrictions, the lockdown, lack of education, lack of access to routine operations and, and, and restrictions on, on your freedom. All of that is what's really been affecting people's lives uh, meaningfully. Um, but, but that ends when it's no longer got public support. And it was really, really obvious to me, as soon as we see it, we saw some of those polls changing in terms of support for um, any restrictions, closing pubs, closing schools, anything like that. The government just turned on a sixpence. Um, these restrictions have only ever been brought in because of political pressure. So the media insisting this should happen um, and, uh, you know, the, sci the scientists on SAGE and you know, in, independent communist sage uh, and, and uh, you know, modelers who have frankly, I mean, I frankly couldn't get a job making sandwiches. They're so unreliable. In fact, I've had more, more reliable sandwich makers in my time. Um, so when the public say, no, we, we're done with this. We're not willing to go through another lockdown. We're not willing to put up with it. That is the point when this stuff ends. As I've said, this ends when we say it does. And I'm so pleased that so many people now have just woken up to the fact that we can't continue to live like this. This started in spring 2020. It's 2022. For God's sake, we're going to have to just move on with our lives and accept that I'm really sorry people are going to die from another new disease other than the, all the other diseases they've been dying from for the end of time. That's, uh, that's completely it. And I think common sense is just winning the day now. People yeah. see this has gone on for long enough. People are seeing, you know, scary reports of skyrocketing cases and everyone they know in their own lives, probably even older people, are getting barely the sniffles at this point. Yeah. This really is over. But as you say, it's about the public have to lead us out of this, really, because the politicians certainly haven't got the courage to do yeah. that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give credit, though, to, to the cabinet members who finally did speak up, but they're going to have mm -hmm. another cabinet meeting today. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know, they're still apparently a minority of the cabinet. I've always known there was about a third of the cabinet meeting because I've spoken to a lot of them uh, off air uh, about who, who I knew were opposed to lockdowns. And I, I say, I've been saying to quite a few, you know, at some point you're going to have to speak out. You're going to have to speak out about this because what, what's been happening to the country is just too bad. But um, he's talking about riding out the American wave. Um, and the, there is a concern about the NHS. 17 hospitals in Greater Manchester uh, have suspended some non-urgent surgery. We've got uh, headlines in one of the papers today telling people, look, you know, if you've got a heart attack, um, you know, basically, you know, get in a car, get someone to give you a lift to hospital uh, rather than uh, waiting for an ambulance. Uh, I think, frankly, that's wise advice in quite a lot of uh, winters anyway, before COVID. Um, but this idea that, yes, hospitals are going to be quite overwhelmed and we may see some routine surgery cancelled, but... But that's not a reason to lock down people's lives because it won't make any difference. No, exactly. I mean, we're past the point where any restrictions could feasibly make any difference this wave anyway. I mean, there's also the, just the question of is suspending our civil liberties really just a lever we pull to manage pressure on the health service? Is that yeah. literally it? Because if I mean, that, that is, is but that's but that's that's apparently what an awful lot of the, the media, the political world, scientists and medics seem to think is now. The norm. This seems to have become a sort of, oh, well, there's pressure on the NHS. Should we have more restrictions on people's lives? As if, as if somehow these are inextricably linked. 
it, it's insane. And I think the more that that argument gets out in the in the kind of glare of the public, I think that will become much more clear and how intolerable that is. And how, you know, that the NHS needs to be seriously reformed. There needs to be some elasticity in the system. Yeah. It needs to be able to cope with winter pressures in the way that it was unable to even before COVID came yeah. along. But I think there's going to be, it's going to be clear from the public definitely that that's for you to sort out, as in the yeah. NHS and the government, not for us to make up for in giving up our lives every winter or whatever. Exactly. I mean, the testing rules we're told in front of the Telegraph today are going to be relaxed to ease pressure on staff shortages. Because the kids going back to school, there's a fear something like one five teachers are going to be off being tested again. If you test every day, you're going to find people who aren't actually ill, uh, but uh, are apparently unable to, to go to work. Uh, but they're talking about limiting PCR tests for those with symptoms uh, only. So if you're symptomless, you've got it, you have doing a lateral flow test, that not actually uh, going on to have a PCR test. And that means that with 40% of cases being asymptomatic, that you then wouldn't need to sort of have that full 10 days or seven days if you've got some negative lateral flows uh, at home. And that would improve things. But I mean, a lot of people, and again, there's some very senior medics and very senior scientists who've been saying, we need to end all of this testing of people who aren't actually unwell uh, straight away. I mean, certainly I've always refused to test my child to go to school. I don't, you know, I'm not testing a healthy child. It's utterly pointless. Uh, currently, given that we've both got COVID, uh, she is uh, testing uh, lateral flow, so it's a requirement, but it would also be the right thing to do. She's living with two people with COVID, but she's had it twice. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's going to be fine. Um, uh, but she's back to school, so she's doing a lateral flow, but I'm not reporting it to anyone. I'm not even reporting it to the school um, uh, because because I, I just think it's I think it's really sinister for us to be mm -hmm. testing millions of healthy children every day. We need to get away from this because most countries don't test anything like the same scale that we do. Another reason why they don't find a lot of the cases that we do. Um, and, and it doesn't appear to have made any darn difference to uh, our, our, our infection rates or indeed our death rates. I think going forward, like the one thing that's been useful about the amount of kind of testing capacity that's been built up, the amount of kind of the in the way in which people can easily get lateral flow tests and all the rest of it is as we're kind of coming out of this, people can manage this issue themselves. This isn't about just reporting things out. If they're concerned, they're going to see an elderly relative, etc. They can take this test. It could be that level of reassurance, but leave it up to us. This kind of mandated things via schools, via central government has got to end because I think it's just breeding hypochondria. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.